Number 
Number 16. 15. 15. The first two and the last. <coughs>
I want to welcome everyone here this morning. I see a lot of new faces. Um, I myself have come back, as many of you know, from Africa with uh, my two daughters, Sarah and Hannah. And um, I'm not quite sure of the the schedule for today. Is it going to be lunch in church? Lunch for everyone? Okay. Um, so immediately after the service, we'll have we'll have lunch. We would also like to have, I believe, a Sunday school teachers meeting. Is that correct? If I remember correctly. Yes. Okay. When's that going to happen? Who's? Well, it depends when the members meeting. When the mem- members meeting is. What I would like to do, um, I don't like to break up the. Just to dismiss the, the the friends. What I'd like to do after the service, we'll have maybe 20 minutes of meet and greet, so we don't just leave our friends alone and then we'll have maybe a, a members meeting after lunch. Is that okay with everyone? Um, so we'll have... Perhaps the Sunday school meeting could be during lunch when the teachers sit together. Right. We're a little... We're, our facilities aren't the best so uh, what we'll do is is have the service then have... Uh, uh, we'll dismiss everyone have our meet and greet and lunch, and then after that we'll have the members meeting and the Sunday school teachers meeting, maybe during lunch. The Sunday school teachers during lunch. Okay. Um, I think the focus of the month is still Eastern Europe. I, I looked it up this morning. We have uh, our poor in uh, Europe that need aid financially, so that will be for this week and... That's it. I think next week's the 1st of September, 2nd September. So that is the focus of the month. Um, any other greetings? Any other announcements or greetings? Now's the time. Brother Rob and Sister Becky went to Ancaster. Thank you. And uh, Mark and Jenny, they also went visiting somewhere, I don't know where. Thank you. Greetings. Greetings from Ancaster. Thank you. Evening greetings from from Windsor. Yes. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Edward. Greetings from Thank you. This is still a greeting card in the kitchen for Baby Maddox. If you could please sign it. I don't want to send it partially. Okay. So, Baby Maddox is the son of. Mike Lamp and Jen Lamp, and he's the one that had the tragic, uh, near tragedy of drowning. We're thankful that the Lord has uh, revived him. He looks like he's back to full health. Is there anything else? Brother Edmund, where are you? I see you in the back room. Do you want to come forward, please? Um... <coughs> Would you like to have the word this morning? I'll leave that to you. Sure. <laughs> I've been away, so I don't know what the schedule was. So. Uh, that's exactly why. <laughs> um, so before we do look into the word of God. Uh, oh, just a clarification for the church. I guess we need to give an update on that. It's not It's not completed yet. It's still in, in the process and we're... The members meeting today, we're going to decide on whether we will have a baptism or not, based upon 
the the situation there, and uh, we just want to confirm it. It looks like we're not going to be ready from discussing it with with the sisters and looking at this situation yesterday. But we're gonna we're gonna confirm that after the members' meeting. Okay. Why is the area thing next Sunday? That's another good question. We've been deferring it, depending upon again the uh, the status of the church, whether we get the permit for occupancy or not. We will have an announcement done midweek um, to let you know. Okay. The question was about the area thing. I understand that. It, it, we've been deferring it. Has it? I think we've been deferring it until we get into the the new building, and and it was supposed to be coincidental with our baptism, but because of that, it was we were going to postpone it. So. But it's probably safe to say it won't be next week. It probably is safe to say, but I just don't want to. Yeah. I, I can't remember where it's going to be. We'll, we'll let well, you know. What happened was it was supposed to be here. So. It, that's what I'm saying. It was supposed to be, but so we don't know what the alternative is. We'll probably try to switch to the next. Right. Well, in the schedule, it says Avon Road. Yeah, it was last time. Yeah, they had it last time right. on our place. That's why we would have to reconfirm. Schedule. That's why we'll have to reconfirm it based upon our final decision at lunchtime today. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. So before we do open the Word of God, let us all bow our heads in a word of prayer. Loving Father in heaven, we come before thy holy throne of grace this morning hour, thanking thee for thy presence with us, thanking thee for being such a great God to us, despite our weaknesses, despite our failures. Thou hast condescended to us men of low estate and uh, in thy son has come to this earth to die for our sins to take our place of that punishment the eternal punishment so that we could live father we pray that thy word would uh, revive us this morning would give us wisdom and understanding help us that we might glorify thy name as thy word is sown into the hearts of men that it may be received in meekness mingled with faith. We ask these things and thank Thee for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear ones, with the Lord's help, I'd like to read from the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 34. Psalm number 34. The title says, A Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened 
and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is not no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall want not want anything good. Come ye, children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, and do good. Seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are upon their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of all of them. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. We read this morning of another psalm from David. David had many, many psalms that were very comforting, very reassuring, and... uh, David was speaking from his own experiences, his own relationship with God, his own experiences with his friends and with his enemies. And we read already that this psalm was written about the time when he had changed his behavior before Abimelech. David was fleeing from King Saul, Saul was very uh, envious of him. And um, he went to a place called Nob, where the uh, supposedly priests dwell, the the town of priests. And it happened to be very near Jerusalem. Some believe it was on the Mount of Olives somewhere, around the Mount of Olives. And he actually spoke to the, the local priest there called Ahimelech. And uh, Himelech was asking, what are you doing here? And uh, actually, I, it, it, it sort of confounds me that David actually lied to him and said, I'm here on the king's business. The king has sent me to do some business. And, and he was looking for victuals uh, for himself and for his, for his uh, men that were with him. And the priest said, I don't have anything here except for the showbread which is only meant for the priests to eat. And they would put 12 new loaves and uh, take the old loaves off. And it was only meant for the priest to eat. But nevertheless, uh, because of David's 
persistence and his uh, saying that the king had sent him, he was given this showbread. And in a, in a commentary in the New Testament, it was actually, Jesus actually mentioned of how David was given the showbread, even though it was not lawful for him to eat. But then he moves on and he comes to, for fear of his life, to the Philistines, his enemies. He comes to, the. if you read the account in First Samuel chapter 21, he comes to the king of the Philistines called Akish. Here he's called Abimelech and it's believed that Abimelech was actually a title to the Philistine kings, much like um, Pharaoh was a title for the Egyptian kings. And he feigns himself. It doesn't say he feigned, but I think if you read First Samuel 21, but David went into this into this mood of acting mad, acting crazy. Um, I, I did a bit of research on that, and the actual Septuagint, the the Greek version of the Old Testament, actually uses the word epileptic. Like he went into some kind of an epileptic fit where his mouth was um, foaming and, and the Bible says it was all drooling on his beard. And, and the king says, why did you bring this man to me for? This madman. But for whatever reason, David went into that, this, this fit of madness. Uh, they, they had compassion on him and they harbored him. And out of this scenario, David... It, it appears, writes a psalm. And in this psalm, it's very clear that there's no specific mention of his experience with, with the Philistines, but he does speak in general terms of God's deliverance, of God's um, mercy, and how we are accepted before God. So, the first thing that David says in, in uh, this psalm, regardless of his circumstance. And this is very important. You can see that he's gone through many, many difficulties. You know, the Apostle Paul uh, writes, writes to, the, to the Corinthians, he says, I had fightings without and fears within. He was a Christian. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. But yet, even as a man of God, he had these fears and difficulties and trials and temptations. And you can go through... Um, the list that, that the Apostle Paul enumerates in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 11 of where he had gone through. And he says, above everything, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just when it's good. Not just when things are going rosy and, and the road is smooth. But he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And that's something that I think we really need to take to heart. That we will bless the Lord at all times. It's very easy when things are going good and we may, you know, jump for joy and sing of God's goodness. But when the tough times come, that's the real test of our faith, of our commitment of our loyalty, of our love for God. I'm very thankful that God's love for us does not waver. It's not up and down. 
Whereas our love for each other and our love for God may be up and down. Because of our humanity. It's very encouraging and assuring to me that when Lazarus died, was about to die, and he was sick, that his sister tells Jesus, you know, the one that you love is dead, is sick, should I say. He eventually did die. But he says, the one that you love is sick. He didn't say the one that loves you, but the one that you love is sick. And so Jesus did come, but we know the story. He waited a couple of days, and but when he did come, Lazarus was dead. God's love for us does not waver. However, his, his dealing with us, we may interpret as a lack of love. And that's why the, the, the book of Hebrews, the book of Job, is, goes to great depths to, to remind us that just because we go through difficult times and punishment and discipline and so forth, it may appear to us that God doesn't love us, but he says that for whom the Lord loveth, he scourgeth or chastens. So our understanding of love needs to be corrected. So he makes a resolution, regardless of, of my circumstance, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And, and it reminds me of the early believers in Yugoslavia and then the ones that were taken to the concentration camps and the, the work camps. They would always sing, the historians said. When they had food, they would sing. And when they didn't have food, they would sing. But they would always sing. And it was that um, clinging to God and, and praising God in times of good or bad that gave them that endurance to, to persevere. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. My soul shall make her... If you want to brag about anything, if you want to glory in anything, my soul, says, shall make her boast in the Lord. And the reason is not only for David's sake, and not only for that God will be glorified here. That's the primary purpose and chief end of man is to glorify God. But it says in the second verse, the humble shall hear thereof. The humble shall hear when I make my boast of God. And shall be glad. So, the way we respond in, terms, in times of of difficulty and strife has an impact not just on my soul but on those that witness how I respond to difficulties. There's another psalm uh, I forget which one it is 78 talks about the if I remember correctly or 37 it talks about the, the, the prosperity of the wicked I think it's 37 the prosperity of the wicked Fret not thyself because of evil doers, neither the envious against the workers of iniquity. And I think Psalm 78 says something similar about the prosperity of the wicked. And when they see you in the dumps and down and you, you claim to have this God, they say, where is your God? Where, oh, where is your God? And we even sing a song of that to that, to that end. Where, oh, where is your God? When you respond to 
to situations and difficulties in your life that you claim this God has power over you in your life and then you end up uh, having the, the attitude and the demeanour of anybody else that does not have the Holy Spirit. So it's very important that when we do go through difficult times that we, we show that there is hope and that the humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. So he's now saying, this is my, this is how I feel towards God. I want to bless him in good or bad. But he says, come and join me. Do it with me. Oh, oh, oh magnify the Lord with me. He's, an ex- he's exhorting those that are reading, that are hearing his words, and let us exalt his name together. There's something special in the the collective praise and worship of God. And Jesus said that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I will be with them in their midst. You say, well, isn't he with us always? Hasn't he promised he'll never leave us nor forsake us? But there's something special where we collectively get together and worship God in spirit and in truth. He said, Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. There is a, I believe, some form of leverage, uh, some form of, um, you know, the sum of the parts is far greater than the individual uh, uh, ability to, 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 to worship God. And God is glorified in the... And, and the, there's another psalm that says that, that God inhabits the praises of His people. He actually dwells amidst the praises of His people. In the book of... Um, if, I think it's Ephesians. It says, we are God's building. We... If I can just read that. He says, um, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built, you, the, 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 the saints, the believers, are built upon the foundation of the, the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord and in whom ye are also are builded together for an inhabitation of God through the Spirit. God inhabits His people. We collectively are the temple of God. We individually are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God inhabits His people. And when we praise Him, it glorifies Him. And so... We are, like David, need to exhort each other. Let us magnify the Lord together. Things can get down. I get down. I often uh, uh, counsel with fellow believers. I need help too. And I'm, I'm so thankful. I just wrote a, uh, an email to somebody this morning. I said, I value your friendship. And we need to do that with each other. You know, one thing that I did discover in Zambia was these people are so poor, they have nothing to boast about. What I did notice, the atmosphere of all the people. 
there is no stiffness or reservation with them. They're not reserved and want to, to somehow withhold their feelings or their friendship. They cling to you. Not just because you have money or you're a white man. But because they have nothing to boast about. They have nothing to, to, to as Philippians says, grasp at. That Jesus, though he, though he was the Son of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Thought it not something that he would grasp at and say, it's mine and I'm not going to give it to anyone else. And so, I think we need to have a little bit more of that with us. We need to be less stiff. We need to be more warm. And that comes with humility. That comes with humility. That comes with the knowledge that none of us is better than anyone else. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And we have nothing to boast about except to glory in our infirmities, to glory that God saved us. Someone yesterday across the road, across the table from me, I didn't realise, when you preach you don't know where the word's going, you don't know what people are thinking, but this one person said to me, you know, I'm really glad you said once in a sermon that none of us can boast that we come from some, some better quality cloth than somebody else. That I don't come from a dysfunctional family. Because this person had a lot of difficulties dealing with that. The stigma on the family because of, of certain uh, reputations or actions of family members. And it was a burden to her. And she said, I'm so thankful. It really helped me to know that none of us come some, from some kind of royalty on this earth. We all come from the race of Adam. We've all fallen short and uh, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And none of us can claim some form of special class. The only thing that we can boast about is our infirmities. And in doing so, God, it says, that God looks to those that are humble, that are contrite. I looked up, you know, we just read that word, word this, uh, this morning. It says that... Where did I see that verse uh, on? Here it is here, verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. What is it saying? Analyze that verse. Take it apart. Number one, the Lord, if you ever doubt your status before God, if you ever doubt where you stand in relationship to God, it says the Lord is nigh. It's, the Lord is near. The Lord is near unto who? Unto those that have a broken heart. Those that have a broken heart. 
What does brokenness mean? It means the recognition that you're a failure. It's, it means recognition that you have nothing of your own. It's recognition that you've done so much wrong. And, and that you're a debtor. It means perhaps being uh, mourning over your sin. When someone has a broken heart, his, his, his love is being lost perhaps. Someone has broken heart when, when maybe someone that person loves is, is, rejects him. When you recognize that you are broken, that you have nothing to fix yourself up with, is this any different than the preaching of Jesus in His first preaching of, in Matthew and the Beatitudes? Blessed are they that are, are poor in spirit. I have nothing to offer you, God. I have nothing to give you. What can I do to be acceptable to you? God says, just number one, recognize that you are what you just told me. That you are empty. That you have nothing to offer. And then he says, those that are of a contrite spirit. And I looked that word up this morning. That word contrite actually means, uh, in the Hebrew, it means crushed. You are crushed. Like someone has just crushed your soul, crushed your spirit. And in the English, if you look at the etymology of that, it says, you have been ground down. And I'm thinking of, uh, what I was thinking in my mind, what could be the analogy? Try doing push-ups. Try doing, you first start off, you're strong, you keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going, and, and you can't do that last one, you fall under the weight, your own weight. You're tired, you're completely exhausted, you can't push anymore. And you give up. When you've given up, when you have completely stopped resisting the Holy Spirit, that's when things happen. Jesus says to Paul on the way to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, against the goads. It's hard for you to resist. And when Paul finally gave up and surrendered everything, that's when things started happening in his life. When he cried out, "My, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? When he realized that he couldn't stop doing the bad, when he realized when he couldn't start doing the good, he says, who can deliver me? I'm, I'm condemned, I feel condemned. And he gave up. That's when God says, I will now accept you. David was no different. In Psalm 51, he said the same thing. This man shall God accept. He that is of a broken heart and a broken and contrite spirit, he will not cast it. He said, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You know, when I was in Zambia, I had this watch on, and uh, a young kid came up to me and he says to me, "Give me, give me, give me that watch." And I said to him, "Why would I only give it to you? Why wouldn't I give it to that boy over there?" He said, 
because he didn't ask. Matthew chapter 7 says, Knock and it shall be opened. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Paul, uh, David says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Many of us don't ask. And there are many reasons why we don't ask, perhaps. We don't ask because we don't believe that God's going to give. Oh, we believe that God is going to give someone else, but we don't believe God is not going to give it to me. Because my sin is so great, God can never forgive me my sin. My sin is so great, God could never forgive me. Like, you have just sinned so much that... Christ's sacrifice is not good enough for your sin. Now, in that, it, it, it sounds like it's very contrite and humble, but in fact there's this element of pride saying that your sin is special, that God is not gracious enough, and the blood of Christ is not powerful and effective enough to forgive me for my sin. Where does that put Christ? Do we belittle him? They looked unto him and were lightened. They, the humble, you read the, read the chapter, those that were humble, that looked at the testimony of, of David or other godly men, they looked unto him and were lightened. They were radiant in, in their in their visage. Because God's back wasn't turned to them, His face was turned to them. When you look to God, Jesus said, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And He, and he was, he was um, using the analogy of Moses with the serpent in the wilderness. When those that had sinned were dying, God says to Moses, you make a serpent, a brazen serpent, you raise him on a pole, and anyone that looks unto that serpent shall be healed of his snake bite. And those that looked believed God's word and were saved. In the same way, Jesus is saying, if you look unto me, if you look at me on the cross, and you believe me, God is not going to turn his back on you like he did his son. He'll turn his face on you, and you will be irradiated. You'll be enlightened. And, and their faces were not ashamed. There was no embarrassment. There was no disappointment. Because they trusted in the word of God. This poor man, and he's now speaking for himself. This poor man cried. He saw himself as poor. Poor in spirit. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Can you imagine David being put to flight? Even his own men, eventually, were turning against him. And he said, I have nowhere to go. I'm turning to God, this poor man, he's speaking for himself, cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Have we cried unto the Lord? Have we reached out in despair? 
Three weeks ago I was in Windsor, if Brother Edward remembers, and I was talking about the, what was it that the Zambians wanted to hear most? I asked the, the aid worker there, what do they want to hear the most here in Zambia? And he said they want to hear about hope. They want to hear about hope. Why? Because the average life expectancy is 37. Dying. We went to actually a funeral to see what a Zambian funeral looks like. And we went to the gravesite thinking we'll be the only ones here. There were about four or five funerals going on at the same time. And you look at the grave, the, 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 the plaques, and they're all rusty because they, they can't afford anything else. Rusted with painting, you know, so-and-so born this date, died this date, and, and many of them were between one year old and two years old. Death all around them. The person that they buried had died of earlier sins of... of, of uh, promiscuity, uh, AIDS. As they were burying him, they had a pickaxe behind them. You can see the pickaxe. They dig in another grave and I heard that she was murdered. And so and so. And death all around. What do they need to hear? They need to hear about hope. And until we realize that we are hopeless without God, we will not receive God's grace. Until we realize that we are hopeless, God cannot give up that hope in Christ. The angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him and delivereth them. Fear is mentioned in this chapter several times. I didn't count them all. At least three, four or five times. And the fear that is mentioned here is not fear of getting caught. That's not the fear he's talking about. Oh yeah, there's going to be judgment. And you better fear. If you don't repent, you will. But that's not the fear he's talking about. The fear that he's talking about here is a reverential fear that implies there's some trust that God means what he says and says what he means. And it's a fear of once you have that relationship with God that you fear to hurt him. You fear to do anything wrong that might cause him to be sad or grieved, if I can use that word. And Solomon says, fear is the beginning of knowledge and understanding. Fear is to depart from evil. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. David is inviting everyone not only to hear of what God has done, but to experience of what God can do. He's a taste. Taste. Jesus said in, in John 6, If any man doesn't eat my flesh and drink my blood, he can have no life. And what he means by that, you need to ingest Christ, His Word, His will. We need to, to experience Christ. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. What really led me to this chapter was this verse. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. What it means, want here means, 
you have no need of anything because God provides you with what you need. We read that in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yet when you see the poverty all around you, when you see sickness, we went to a hospital as well. No comparison to what we have in Canada. You go to a hospital and there's sickness all around. There is no instrumentation hardly. Nurses with the basics. Man dying with meningitis, another one with TB, another one with some stomach infection, another one with lung infections. Young kids old and you feel so helpless. They're looking to you. You're a, this man from North America. You have means. Is there something that you can do? I could do nothing. I, I felt so helpless. And I thought about the time that Christ was on earth. And I thought, the Lord faced this. The Lord faced disease. He faced death. He faced hunger and poverty. He could break bread and multiply and feed 5,000. He could raise the dead. What did I have to offer? I felt so helpless. How could it be true? One of the aid workers, he said, when he was young, his father taught him, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And he sought, and he sought, and he was still poor. And he began to be angry with God. He wanted to turn from God. I thought, what do I, have, what do I have to offer? I feel as poor as they are. Even if, even if I could give them all the money I had on me at the time, it would be enough. It wouldn't be enough. I remember, they, we prepared them a lunch. Uh, fed 150 kids that probably haven't eaten like that for six months since the last group was there. And when the rest of the village heard it, we had 300 at the door. And, and one lady was grabbing my arms and saying, you give to me, you give to me. She knew that I had some kind of authority there, that I could go in there and get her a sandwich. And I didn't have. I felt so helpless. So helpless. But then I thought about Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the 6,000, raising the dead, healing the sick. What a testimony that was. The popularity that Christ had in his first two years because he fed 
and he healed. All I could do was say, I'll pray for you. And I did. I went to their bed and I prayed with them, for them. That's all I had. I pray that the Lord would have heard those prayers. Come ye little children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth good and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and ensue it. As I was reading that, these verses, I thought, I know, I've heard of that somewhere before. I've seen these words. And the Apostle Peter without even saying this is a quote from the psalm, says this. In 1 Peter chapter 3. He's talking about the relationship of the husband and the wife. He's talking about how they need to live according to God's will, praying together less and, and, and uh, treating each other respectfully. Finally, all of ye, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one to another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. This is why. That you can inherit a blessing. And then he says, and he quotes Psalm 34, three or four verses. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they may speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that? which is good. He's saying the same thing as the Apostle Paul. Who can be against you if God is for you? What shall separate us from the love of God? Shall distress, famine, persecution, sword? Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Do we have the love of God? Is our love wavering? Are we praising God in times of good and evil, good and bad, or are we blaming others for our predicament? The Apostle Paul, in the book of Philippians, Apostle Paul says this Be careful for nothing Don't worry about tomorrow Be careful for nothing Don't be anxious But in everything be pray, By prayer and supplication With thanksgiving Let your requests be made known unto God And the peace of God You seek peace and ensure This is how you do it And the peace of God 
which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. He's taken the same place that, that David was saying, do it with me, watch me. The humble shall observe and, and be uh, uh, gratuitous to God. And God, the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul whether he was in good times or bad, whether he was in prison as he did with this letter, or whether he was on the road preaching the gospel, he says, I've learned to be content in every state. He was in chains with the Philipp- with in this case with uh, the church at Philippi before it was formed. He was in chains in prison with Silas. What was he doing? Singing praises at midnight. Singing praises at midnight. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think, and, and, and I hope I don't go back into uh, the same routine. Sometimes I think it's a crime for what we have. And we complain. And it needs sometimes to see this stark reality, this raw vision of, de- of abject poverty, hunger, disease. For us to be kicked back into reality. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. This sermon is directed first at myself, and I pray that God would open our eyes, and we all may humble ourselves. And live as the early church did when they were under persecution, starvation, famine, on the run. And they, they rallied together to magnify God. For thereunto we are called. To him be the glory evermore. Amen.
Pull it, brother, find it in, please. Two sixty-two, three verses.
gracious and holy Father in heaven, Lord, and with stern hearts, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning because of thou and thy goodness, as always when thy word is preached. Father, unto those that would be willing to listen, thou hast such deep things to say unto us. And yet such simple things, dear Lord, that we need to hear because surely we are of slow hearts and often we behave as foolish people not willing to believe those things which thou hast taught us over and over. And Heavenly Father, as we have sung this hymn, dear Lord, we know that thy hymns are being sung in places not so rich and bountiful in blessings as we have here in the Western Hemisphere. We have heard of the testimony of, of the brother that has been overseas and has seen the, the poverty and the sickness. And he feeling yet helpless, Lord, but we know, Father, that with these situations are not helpless. But all of Jesus Christ, even himself, when he was encompassed with hungry and weak and sick people, and when the disciples were so concerned about it, he would turn unto them and say, how many loaves of bread do you have? Lord, we have things that we can give. We have things that thou can multiply greatly if we are willing to surrender and give them up. That we can help such lowly, destitute people, not only in Zambia, but throughout this whole world of life. Father, grant us the vision, the contrite heart, Lord, the heart that truly, when it is crushed, brings forth fruit of repentance. Bless thy word in each and every heart that has heard thy truth this morning hour. Father, grant us the strength, Lord, because in our own pathetic ways we will very easily take the easy road in this life. Help us, Lord, to keep our hearts to be strengthened in the Lord Jesus Christ. And with a, with a newer, with a greater clarity, O oh Father, to see that which will remain eternal, the love of God and the love of Christ working in the hearts of men. Heavenly Father, we pray for those that are poor, those that are oppressed, those that are in prisons, those who are treated in such despicable and harshful ways by evil and unreasonable men here upon this earth. Be with the lonely, be with the heartbroken. May the, the truth of thy word be that hope which does reach their hearts through whatever means thou would deem to, to choose to bring hope of salvation unto thy people. Heavenly Father, we pray that thou would continue to bless all those who are laboring and all those who perhaps are, are spent much of their giving and helping others. And Father, continue to bless all those that do Whatever they do, they do it as a remembrance of Thee and in service unto Thee. Continue to be with us, Father, this day. We praise Thee for the blessing and the ability to come together. 
We pray for those that could not be with us, the, the, the bedridden and the aged and the sick and many other reasons which only thou dost not. Comfort thy people. Bless them richly as thou hast blessed us today. And Lord, we know that this blessing will turn to a curse unto us if we do not take heed and follow the exhortation and the instruction to do those things which we have heard. Heavenly Father, continue to be with us the remainder of this day. May we do everything truly unto thy honor and thy glory. And may our fellowship have a godly strength about it, Lord, as we would interact one with another. Dear Lord, we praise thee for thy goodness. We pray that thou will do far above that which we are able to ask. And we just want to continue to honor and glorify thee always. In the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Do we normally have a closing? Do we normally have a closing? I forget. Will the brother find a closing hymn, please? And number 66. 66.
even in that song we sang the second verse that sometimes God sends us a cross to shame us to banish pride and keep us small and that's an act of love that's an act of God's love though it may be misunderstood by many but that's an act of God's love There was one scene towards the end when you have to say goodbye to the children. We had just gone down to the river and they just want to cling onto your hands. Three or four kids want to just cling onto your hands as you walk together back and forth from the river. And uh, one had sticky hands from the candy that we give him, and uh, I didn't shake it off. I knew that he needed to be held. And it was very touching for the children, my children. Those that know Sarah, she's got quite a hard exterior. But I haven't seen her respond. You know, we read about being radiant when the children were around. And when it was time to say goodbye, there was some little girl that said to Hannah, I'm so glad you're my friend. You know, I really appreciate that you're my friend. And and I love you like a... And she didn't know how to express it. She said, I love you like a cup of milk. You know what they think about when they say that? Because milk is rare. Meat is rare. But out of the mouth of babes, God has perfected praise. Maybe we need to love each other more like a cup of milk. With the love of Christ. The walls have come down our apprehensions, our inhibitions, our reservations. And God's kingdom, God's family, God's fold will be far more effective, far more stronger, far a better witness. Jesus said that you love one another, for so shall all men know that you're my disciples. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.